Yo! Welcome to another episode of the Where It Went podcast, where we are still currently discussing the Revelation Records catalog in chronological order. And this week, we have a really cool record, something, uh, I don't know, I don't want to say a little different because, you know, it's not, it's just a, a great record. Jason, yeah. why don't you tell everyone what, what we're talking about this week? This week, we're talking about the Elliott LP U.S. Songs, Rev number 68, released in 1998. It is a great record. Cut through Jason's youth crew. It did. Uh, It did. Slice through it. Slice through his youth crew haze. Didn't slice through mine at the time. But um, we'll talk about that. It wasn't on my radar then, but that's what the outro is for. Uh, Definitely on my radar and still in my oeuvre. Uh, But before we get too deep into all that, I, you know what? It's already time to kick it, shout it. Um, Bid it bow to this episode sponsor, Iodine Records. Um, Quicksand Slip, 30th anniversary, I believe uh, starts, will start popping up later this month at least the regular version uh not the not the deluxe you know that one's got a little bit more of a labor intensive you know it's a pretty big project uh so i don't think the deluxe will be out until maybe may should probably know this but um you know i don't but um man slip i was just i sent you guys that picture of the uh cd that I had. I, I managed to get the CD at um, a record store when I was hanging out. An original and, of the CD? Yeah. Uh-huh. And, um, man, I can't wait for this reissue. I can't wait to dig into that book. Hey, um, I think I don't know if we talked about this when we talked about Quicksand on one of our bonus Patreon episodes. That CD, I always thought the actual physical copy of the CD felt heavier than all the rest of the CDs in my collection. Did this happen to you? No. Um, yeah, I don't know. Actually, it's already sold out, by the way, the uh, the standard version, which uh-huh. does ship end of this month. We're in March yeah. right now. Um, and the deluxe version, um, which there are still available... And honestly, let's be real. A record like this, I understand that, you know, it's a there's a difference in price point from getting the standard and the deluxe. But I mean, this thing is worth it from what from what we've been able to see um, inside. It's, it's worth every penny. There's the book. You get the colored vinyl. It's just a beautiful package. And that is uh, May 26th that will start shipping. So just in time for summertime, windows down classic record and don't forget iodine have other releases like we talked about one line drawing and her head's on fire and just a cool label you can get the stuff through death wish uh is their like distributor in the states um so check out iodinerecords.com i just got a couple pods to give a bit of bow to uh, of course 185 miles south they had me on as a guest. I'm not sure when that episode goes up, but uh, no spoilers. They did ask some Revelation-related trivia in there, and I, well, I'm not going to spoil it. 
Yeah, uh, also yeah, been a bow to coffee and hardcore podcast and the first seven inch club podcast and non-hardcore, but Jason turned me on to the, what had happened was podcast, oh, yeah. which I've been binging. I love open Mike Eagle, Prince Paul talking history of hip hop. It's great. Um, I'm a big fan of listening to podcasts about hip hop records for some reason. And the 33 and a third podcast is very similar to that. There's one about the BC boys and one about three feet high and rising. Oh yeah. Those, those books are great. If you've ever, yeah. Yeah. They're some of them are because they're all authored by different people. Totally. Some are great. I read the one, I went to the mountains once and I read the one about uh neutral milk hotel in the airplane over the sea. And, um, great book and the in on the kill taker one is pretty that good one is, as well i was just gonna say that one is excellent um and sort of you know a former sponsor and patron of the pod uh your neutral milk hotel made me think bidipo to uh, our friends at siren records yes i yes. got the neutral milk hotel uh that box set box. And it's stunning yeah, so what's in the box the what's in the box what's in the box <laughs> um so it has both albums it has like a picture disc thing of like i don't know i, I haven't Rarities. really been able to dive uh-huh. into it but it's just it's so nicely set up and and the label merge um they even sent out i guess to the stores like it came like there's a neutral milk hotel like a paper bag uh-huh. like that i you know i'm a pack rat with that kind of stuff so okay, i so f- folded it up and put it in the box uh-huh. set to keep it you know first impression engine kid box set neutral milk hotel box set Oh man, both. I mean, both the neutral milk hotel one, you can tell is like, uh, it's a, it's big, it's big. Like I was kind of surprised for two, you know, band with two full two records. Yeah. How big the box is like it uh-huh. almost rivals the shelf space for my, uh, nevermind 30th anniversary box, uh-huh. which has eight LPs. In it. <laughs> so it's like, it's, it's big. Like, it's like, it's yeah. like, Wow. Pretty big, but um the engine kid one also rev related. Sure. Uh, yeah. That is a must own. And siren have copies. So yeah, yeah, if you bit want, of bow to you siren. Hit them up and grab one. Jason, you got anything to bit of bow? Bit of bow yeah. to the patrons. Yeah. Shout out to the patrons. Yeah, for the patrons go one. The Discord uh, Discord server was popping off this week. We were talking bad religion, talking shudder to think. Talking all kinds of stuff. Those guys yeah, are. It was super fun. Active. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Like it's mm-hmm. it's like it's definitely a great time waster, and I mean yep. that in like an affectionate way. It's like it's, a good. It's like AOL chat room, right? It's taking yeah. me back. It's yeah. not like a. It's and not we like do a message have, board. It's more like a chat room. We do have bonus content always. I know yeah. we haven't necessarily done like standalone bonus episodes in a while, yeah. but every time we pop one of these up. If you're a patron, you're getting extra content. Yeah. So if you want to participate in any of that, go to whereitwentpodcast.com. You can get info on how to support us on Patreon every month. And it's great stuff. Uh, what do you guys say we dig into the episode? Yeah. All right. It's time to kick it. Can I kick it? Kick it. Kick it.
mean, this is a good time to to jump into the the interview. We're, we're here with Chris and Jay from Elliot, and we're talking Louisville hardcore, right? And and this is establishing the roots of the band Elliot. And before Elliot, some of y'all, at least you, Chris, had a band called Falling Forward that sprang from the Louisville hardcore scene. So we don't need to get too deep into like the history of falling forward, but right. chronologically falling forward and the first Elliot seven inch are not too far apart. So what was the transition from falling forward to Elliot? Like for you, I had to learn how to play guitar. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a big, big thing. Um, and for me, you know, it was basically falling forward had broken up. Um, I was definitely at a point where I was like, I don't, I don't know if I, you know, like I want to keep doing stuff. Falling Forward had played a show. I was going back and you look, you listen to all this stuff and, and you're going back into the, trying to get your mind, you know, set. And a little seed was put into me by Norm. Um, Shelter played with Falling Forward and he was playing with Shelter at the time, I think. Um, and so he was in Louisville and he was, he's like, Oh, you guys are good, but you've got to start playing guitar. Like you need to play guitar. No bands just have a singer anymore. <laughs> so that was funny to me. And I was like, Oh, well, you know, we're doing our thing or whatever. But he put that little seed in my head uh, during falling forward. And so when that band kind of devolved, um, you know, it was definitely something where I was like, okay, let me, See if this is even possible and just the slow progression of doing that. And then, um, you know, then we, then it was kind of trying to find people. And that's, you know, luckily we found Jay, uh, you know, it was probably a good couple of years after, after that band kind of went apart. But Jay, did you also grow up in the hardcore scene in Louisville there? No, I grew up in the hardcore scene in Detroit, Michigan. Oh, okay. okay. And so when I was living in Louisville for three days when Chris came up and asked me to play guitar for Elliot. So I just moved down from Detroit. Yeah, and it's funny because he because I saw Jay as a singer. He was playing, he played a show. Who'd you all play with? I know you were on Snapcase. the Kindle or Snapcase. Okay. It's Snapcase and Donuts. Right on. And it, nice. so I saw him and for some reason, I don't know how I figured out you played guitar or maybe I just said, Hey, do you play guitar? I don't know how that went, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but I, you know, it was immediately like, Oh, this guy, you know, obviously Jay has a, a presence, you know? So, uh, wanted him to be a part of that. I mean, as someone who saw Elliot, in the mid nineties, I can attest to the fact that Jay did have a presence on stage mm -hmm. and it, it was like, I mean, you guys are wearing shirts with ties and singing songs that were very melodic, but you got this guy on stage jumping around and swinging his guitar like a wild man. And it definitely added to, for me, the mystique, of Elliot and, and the whole ambiance of Elliot. So I think that it's really cool that even though y'all came from the hardcore scene and weren't playing hardcore music, 
there still was like that energy and aesthetic there. And not just because you were on a label that was known for its hardcore, you know, benchmark, but it, it, it would just, you couldn't escape from hardcore. Right. Right. And, and, and we really didn't fully want to, I mean, we definitely, we wanted that to be part of us. You know, there are a lot of bands at the time that were, you know, trying to completely disassociate themselves with, with that scene. And that really wasn't fully what, where we were. Um, I think Jay would, would agree. Um, we definitely were trying to push ourselves, not trying to like, Oh, we're get, we have to push, you know, the genre or the scene or whatever. We were trying to push ourselves into different directions um, and really just trying to take everybody in the band and allowing them to be themselves, except maybe when it came to the clubs. <laughs> and that's where we wanted to, that's where we wanted to give kind of a, we looked like a bunch of waiters. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but it, you know, in retrospect, but we were just trying to give a blank slate and not to be judged on, oh, here's here's the guy that here's the guy that's into this music and here's uh, the okay. bass player that's you know wearing his skate shorts and sneakers like we just wanted to give a blank thing. Um, I like that, but you know whether how that ever came across them, you know it it wasn't meant to be like pretentious or you know anything like that. And then you know there's a lot of bands that had that. You know, even like statue, you know, had that. At least I only saw that for that cover. You yeah. know, but that that was always, you know, um, interesting to me. Like, oh, what what is this band about? How do you know? Because um, I never got to see. You know, so much of the California stuff we never got to see. Um, you know, Jay, I think Jay did, but I think they maybe you saw. I know you saw like Inside Out back in the day, right, Jay? Uh, I miss them. No, I don't think oh, they came through this. Oh, uh, I thought it, I thought he did. I had a question um, before we dive into like you connecting with Rev and all that. The name Elliot. What's the significance of the band name? Yeah, that was, you know, of all the things that it could have been, especially you know through the through the eighties. It was actually just a friend of mine's. She had. Uh, Two children and uh and basically uh the little girl was named Elliot and I was, just thought that was awesome. Um and we I just threw the name in with all the different kind of normal band names uh that we were kind of deciding on and that one kind of stuck somehow. So the first record was a seven inch on initial records, which is known for putting out bands from the Louisville area was how was that initial and to pardon pardon the phrase initial um how was that record made and the layout for that seven inch would kind of start something with the band that carried on to to further releases right yeah um so initial Another, you know, also a Detroit um, connection. So initial was from Detroit originally before it moved down to Louisville. Um, and so, and there was a Louisville-Detroit connection. Um, however it happened, it was just always a great place to play. 
uh, you know, Jay can speak to to the Detroit scene much better than I can, obviously, um, from empathy and and uh, all that that he was involved with. Um, but we always had a connection up there. So um, uh, the so the falling forward stuff being with them, and then when you know it was kind of just a natural progression. Andy was like, "Yeah, sure, of course, I'll put it out." And then then we got into the you know I always want the layout to kind of you know it was a huge part for me you know um to be part of them just as important as the music um or at least add to the music um and so yeah then you know and i was working at record store at your ecstasy and so you're always getting the cool stuff you're always able to see the what's coming in and you know what grabs you and so it was important to try to do something different. So we did the die cuts and the, um, you know, kind of doing things. I was always a big fan of like the shellac records and, uh, you know, a lot of the Chicago stuff was, was had interesting packaging. Um, so it was important to me to kind of bring all that, you know, together. Did I, if I answered that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I see Jason burning with a question. I here. do, I do. I'll Jason's our resident. Oh, yeah, I was gonna say he's our resident designer. So. I think I should save cool. it for later in the conversation when the record's actually out. But I mean, this is a plus packaging. I mean, this is oh. mind blowing. You know, this is a good record that a lot of heart and thought went into, and it's got this personal touch to it, which I assume the photos were taken by you for yeah. most of this. Um, do you have a favorite yeah. photo in there? And are these photos that are taken on tour for, are you talking about the, the full length or the seven inch? Ah, see, that's where I fucked up because yeah, I, went, fucked I, up, I went ahead. <laughs> I jumped that's ahead. That's all right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Gonna do it. So the seven inch to me there, it looks like something from Rand McNally. Yeah. Right. Um, it, it looks like an old, like document of going to the grand Canyon or something yeah. like that. And this the seven inch for me it struck me immediately i never heard falling forward i was a huge endpoint fan i liked sunny day real estate like i you know i was emo adjacent even though i was a raging hardcore kid at the time but right. this seven inch like slapped me across the face and and pulled me right in and i i loved it immediately not just the music but also the layout the whole layout it's hard to take out of the cover it's interesting <laughs> it's cool it's different and the only other things that were kind of happening at the time was a lot of those like kind of real screamo bands like indian summer um oh, that's cool uh, all the, all those splits the indian summer current split uh you know silk screened oh my yeah. god i love those records silk screened on a piece of cardboard with a like acetate you know in there and it's it, it's uh something that's so different just from your normal paper sleeve maybe photocopied seven inch and so as soon as i had this i was like this is a band i like and then along comes the 12 inch so you have these two songs initially on the seven inch and then what starts happening? You guys start playing more, touring more, writing a record. Yeah. I mean, for, 
for me, I think even with that seven inch with all the pictures and I think you're right. It came, they definitely came from, I'm, I'm sure like a collected like old encyclopedias and stuff like that. And so we would pull hopefully, you know, I think we're beyond the being sued part on copyrights, <laughs> but, but you know, I'm sure it, but we, you know, pulled all that kind of stuff. And I think it really has a lot to do with like, I had falling forward, had done some touring, but not what I've always wanted to do. Um, you know, I had never been out West with the band. I've never, you know, really done some serious touring. So that was it, that all, all that nostalgia and, and romantic, you know, ideas, I think it's tied into that seven inch and then goes in obviously into us songs, you know, um, just finally being able to accomplish that. But yeah. After we were writing those songs and really just trying to figure out what we could do together and what I was even capable of doing, I think. And in what I think Jay would agree, and then bringing everybody's influences in. And that was uh, on that record. And then, and then there were other songs on the U S songs that Ben had been a part of writing, which was our original drummer, uh, Ben Lord. And so it was just kind of working through that. And then once he had to leave to go to school uh, up in New York, and he's been in New York ever since, um, that's when we finally found Kevin um, and, you know, really started, you know, experimenting with the sound and, and what we could do and how we would, you know, end up going over the next couple of years. So but you oh, go ahead. I love to hear some, I love to hear Jay, if Jay has endpoint after that, because my brain gets kind of foggy in, you know, the writing process, how, you know, like it was intense and we, I was definitely like an intense, you know, pusher of like, we've got to do this. We've got to do this, you know? Um, but yeah, you got, you had any input, Jay? We practiced more than any band I knew of. And we practiced so long. We would practice up to 12 hours sometimes. <clears throat> and it was really wild. But the theme of traveling was always pervasive in everything we did that's why the layout reflects so much of it because that's why the cover of u.s songs was like being in a van with your friends like hot summertime sweltering but that was so much part of the experience of being a musician at the time was being in a van together so that's the background behind the picture on the front of the u.s songs yeah which which is actually benny uh clark who was an original member of falling forward and then ended up way later on joining Elliot for, for a record. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and that was, we took that at an abandoned, we were at the, not abandoned as a rock quarry that people would go to and sneak in and go swimming. And, uh, that's where that picture was taken of, uh, Benny. And then I, I think Jonathan's in the background of that in our, in a Ford Astro van, if I remember correctly. <laughs> So for the writing for these songs, you're talking about what you can do, Chris, vocally. How would you arrange these songs? Because you do some cool melodies and vocally you do some things that are, I still, I just don't understand how you would write those. Oh man. Well, patterns, you. you know, is, is it, is it, you have it in your head and then you 
talk it through to someone to someone playing guitar or is it something where you know our, my process has always been the music first okay. and then and the melody next and then allowing all that to kind of hit you in some way um and and then start working the you'll get a couple words you'll get a couple you, may, you might hit part of a chorus or something like that you know um and then you just kind of let the let it kind of write itself um and with that with Elliot I was definitely trying to be a little bit more have a few different ways that I could reach emotionally the song so that I wasn't regurgitating the same emotion every night because sometimes that not that that gets boring but it can be uh it can be toxic in a way yeah you know uh, in falling forward where I was just you're being just letting so much go on you know very specific um ideas that if it if you weren't really getting into it and you know almost over processing something um you had a you had the there was a possibility that you could just be faking it yes. you know so so it's nice to be able to have a diff, a few different ways that you can bring into a song and and a lot of that stuff is and it sounds corny to a degree but it's i would just kind of get into a a meditative state you know you'd sit with the music in a black room and just be with it until stuff starts happening you know but that was that's the way that a lot of it would come and then a lot of the um given jay his props a lot of the the um titles of the songs would come from jay so i'd be like here we go here's song and then you know jay would jay was always journaling and he'd pull out a how's this what's how about this or i'd look at it and and see something um do you remember those times jay and also never oh yeah i never no one ever knew what the lyrics were until the record was recorded i actually have a question about the lyrics because there's some there's some lines on the record are they are they mixed on the no, they're just oh, like they're wrong. They're, they're wrong kind of, on streaming. If you look at Spotify, it, they're incorrect. Uh, it kind of has sure. an at the drive-in feel to me sometimes, where it's just like poetry, and it doesn't like face down water-filled breather, like these these lines, like this, where like melodically it fits and it's beautiful. But I'm like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? <laughs> and and it, but again, in in the best way. So right. to me, Elliot, it wasn't just like I'm sad, I'm happy, I'm feeling this. It was like poetry. And to to hear you say that it just it came from maybe like a a quiet place or an introspective place or a journaling place and and you guys really working together you two especially like that's really that's really cool to hear that it wasn't just you know it doesn't always have to be i'm i'm this uh, linear you know right well yeah and like and i could you know that's funny because i not for that's those lyrics and, and you're much better like i'm horrible at picking out lyrics or even saying things <laughs> or you know even if i didn't have it 
in front of me to even, you know, sing it or whatever, um, without the music playing. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, but you said that immediately I was taken to where I was when I was writing that, which was on the banks of the Ohio river, just my car parked up to it. And, um, and trying to reach it in different ways. It was one, I have a fascination with breathing underwater, which is, is whatever that is, but there's also just the, you know, it's whether it be suicide or whether it be taking someone out or whether it be, you know, you can, you can take all those lyrics and, and, you know, mix them all together and have the imagery in your head, however you want. And that's why I hate, not hate. That's why it's hard for me to try to get down and and dissect lyrics too much because I don't want it to take away from anybody else's interpretation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If someone comes up to you and they're like, Oh, I love this song. It's about this. And you're like, yeah, you can keep thinking that buddy. That's cool. (laughs) Yeah. We, I've had a few and I, and I, and it's, it, it's super, um, you know, I'm just like blown away, but people's like, Oh, we played this song at our wedding. And I was like, yeah, don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) And you hear about that a lot. You hear about that a lot with the way people, I mean, and that's art, right? Like in the way people interpret it. It's how they interpret it. And where it hit them at that point in their life, you know? Um, Well, like, I remember some, you know, that every breath you take by the police and people being like, Oh, that's our, that's my wife and our song. I was like, ah, I'm pretty sure that's like, that was what I was thinking of actually when you said that. (laughs) Yeah. Was that song? Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's, you know, it's, I think it just kind of fits where kind of songs fit where people needed them fit, you know? I really like the song title, Safety Plan, Safety Pin Explanation. Jay, do you remember why you named that song that? Uh, it was talk with people, just the the lack of depth of conversation that you get from people when you talk to them on a surface level. That it was just like a, about a safety pin of an of a answer that you get from people. You know, something it'll hold it together just for the time being, but it'll fall apart with any stress. It's just the way I viewed conversations with people at the time being too shallow. Okay, that's cool. About to sound of punk. I like safety pin. Safety pin <laughs> just made me think punk. And I like that's it. Right. Yeah, I wonder. It, bef- now, oh, that, I'm I'm learning things now. I'm like, uh, yeah, I love that. <laughs> I wanted to ask, um, and it's I know it's sort of like hackneyed, but Chris, you mentioned about like influences and stuff. Like, what were like the touchstones for you? Like when you were, you know, writing, especially these early Elliott records, compared to maybe what you were into with falling forward. Right. Um, definitely at that time I would, you know, Louisville's music scene uh, was, it kind of came down to this. Every hardcore kid goes to the indie rock shows, right? The indie rock kids don't really always go to the hardcore shows. So I was somewhere in that middle and I, and I think Elliot kind of, plays in that world a little bit. So right then, like, like the picture on the, on us songs of, of Jonathan and Benny um, at that quarry, you know, like it's about an hour, I think from my house or in Louisville. And so seam was a huge record that summer for me. 
um, you know, trying to think always, and there's some of the still stuff that I still listen to every day. Seam, Jawbox, Jawbreaker, um, Fugazi, you know, and then the newer stuff that was coming out, um, you know, with trying to think that, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously Sunny Day, Texas, um, those were all, you know, definitely in, in my wheelhouse. But like I said, with Elliot, it was, you know, Kevin was so into his thing and Jay had a completely different uh, what he was listening to. So it was kind of combining all of our, our, of our interests. And what was that stuff, Jay? <clears throat> I grew up in the goth scene in Detroit. Detroit's a dark place. And so it's a natural gravitation to go. And when I was a teenager, I'd hang out at the goth clubs and I'd go see Sisters of Mercy and Cocktoo Twins and Echo and the Bunnymen. That type of music had significant influence as much as hardcore bands like Judge and Grill Biscuits and Inside Out. Same. So to me, Elliot was a merging of those two styles. To me, I was trying to make new wave sound come through in more of a hardcore aesthetic. I wanted to merge that back then. So a lot of the songs, if you played them just a different rhythm, slower, whatnot, sound to them. But I sped them up, played them faster, and you have more of an Elliot sound with that. Awesome. Would you say that quicksand is an influence? Oh, for did me, you like yeah. quicksand, Jay and Chris? Yeah, uh, I, I, I listen to quicksand. Yeah, and I, I yeah, I was a huge, huge fan. When the first time I saw them, they, I it didn't really. I saw them live um, first, but at a at a big show. I want to. Do y'all know who they went on tour with? It would have. It was like it was Bogarts in Cincinnati. Must have been around ninety-two-ish. Rage Against the Machine, maybe. No, wasn't White that Zombie? Kind of... Oh yeah, White, White Zombie and Anthrax. Not even that big. I want to say like Helmet. Almost now, I did see him with Helmet. Okay, uh, but that yeah, was so later that's... on. That's that's once I was fully into him. Uh, I saw Walt. It was Walter, and he had longer hair. And I want to almost say it was like. Seven seconds. They did dates with seven, seven seconds. Seven seconds. Uh-huh. Early on. That, yep. that yeah, would have been Before slip, I think. That would have probably been it. Um, but yeah, so we went up there and saw them. But then once somehow I got a hold of it, uh, I'm sure the, the first seven inch. And then, it, you know, it was. Yeah, they're a huge influence. I, don't know, I totally spaced on it. Yeah. Jay, but I can slip. hear kind of that chunkiness, you know. Mm, yeah, yeah their, their version of House Seems Now blows the Smith song. I don't care what hate I get from it. <laughs> I love it's a it's an excellent cover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. One one time, I just got back from tour, and and how everybody does, you know, either you have a record shop job or you have, uh, you know, you work at a restaurant or whatever. And I had gotten back, and like two days later, uh. Walter was at the restaurant I was I was uh working at so I served him his eggs you know <laughs> nice <laughs> was he dining alone 
He was not. <laughs> That's a good one I had to ask you. So, I would so, I would have sat down if he was done. <laughs> so for US songs, when Rev approaches you about putting out the record, what are your thoughts on it? Are you excited about putting out a record with them? Or are you concerned about the image of the label being too hardcore? Just in general, what were your thoughts about signing with them? No, mine were, I was thrilled. Um, we, it's so strange when I look back at it now, because we, I, it, some reason I, it wasn't like the first, like I didn't even really think of it as a possibility or, you know, I just had no idea where the band, what the perfect home would be for the kind of stuff we were doing. Obviously, I was a huge Sensefield fan. Everything on 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 Rev. I mean, that's what we grew up on. I remember, you know, I saw, lucky enough to see Judge back in the day. Um, you know, but we when we were recording out in L.A., the guy that we were working a lot with uh, was Ron Moss um, from Rondor Publishing. And he, I think he basically just said, yeah, are there any labels that would be on your wish list? And Rev was one of them. And I think he just called. I don't know why we wouldn't have reached out or didn't feel like we could reach out. Um, and we knew, you know, the guys that were, some of the guys that were on the label. Um yeah, I don't know why it just it wasn't like. Am I remembering that correctly, Jay? Yeah, yeah. Uh, to give background, Ron Moss was the son of Jerry Moss, who was the M of A and M Records. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, and he and it was yeah. A, we won. Oh, go ahead, Jay. No, that's said, We we definitely wanted to be on Revelation. That was as a hardcore kid growing up. Yeah, you can't imagine being on that record because it seemed so far away. Bands from the coast only got signed. Yeah, so it, it it felt like a it felt like we won something that you know we we're one of, you know I think you know you what you got Iceburn that's not fully on a coast but to a kid in Kentucky you know Salt where they were from Salt, Salt Lake, Lake. I was yeah. actually gonna say I was like besides Iceburn I can't really think and I I could be drawing a blank we've done sixty seven releases so far but <laughs> it's mostly just coast on the yeah. coast you're right yeah. you might and be the most the first one in the middle of the country yeah mm-hmm. and i and that was like a oh it was a big moment you know for me you know just being able to to be a part of that history you know mm-hmm. um the oh the, so the if, if you want to get into it, the story that we started working with ron was hilarious because I, when I worked at the um, in the music shop at Air Ecstasy, this guy comes in and he wants to buy everything that I can give him, basically, that's that's Louisville-based or even not Louisville-based, but local, you know, in the area. He was basically trying to do what his dad did back in the day and just travel the country looking for musicians that they can build up um, with like artist relations and try to, you know, grow something from the ground up. And uh, so I sold him every band you can think of from, uh, you know, 
anything that was already on an indie label or not. Um, and then at the end, he, you know, I was like, oh, I've got a bunch of demo tapes in my, you know, floorboard in my car. Um, so I gave him, just gave him a bunch of those of all my friends' bands. And he called me back. He's going to Nashville and he's like, oh, what's this band, Elliot? And I was like, oh, that's ours. Uh, that's my band. We're playing this Sunday, I think. Was it a Sunday, Jay? Yeah. Um, we're playing this Sunday here in town. And so he turned around, came back to Louisville from Nashville. Uh, and lucky enough, we were opening for Snapcase and Refused. <laughs> yeah. So when he got there, the line is, you know, four blocks long. Um, and, you know, it, you know, there were some kids, there were some kids that were fine that we were playing, but you know, it wasn't all us. But that was the hottest, sweatiest, craziest show I've ever been a part of. Um, people would ever like the band, each band would play like two songs, and then the whole crowd would go outside, cool off, come back in, and this band would play two more songs. Whoa. It was it was crazy. Brutal. Yeah, they were, you know, and I think, and then some of the older Louisville scene wasn't there because Kiss was playing at the same time, so it was it was just a really oh, it's probably the reunion. Uh, yeah. yeah, that would have been Greg. Greg would have been at that Kiss yeah, show. So <laughs> Rob, Rob and Duncan and all those guys are like fuck yeah. these hardcore kids because that would have been ninety six ish, right? Yeah, so that was <laughs> yep. the makeup 96. back on and uh, Ace and yeah, Peter. I know Chad Chad Cassetter from Endpoint. He was definitely there. Um, going to see Kiss, but yeah. So, but uh, yeah, it was it was an interesting turn of events for us. So, there's two studios that this record was recorded in. So that was one, Ronder Studios, and the other one's Easley. Yeah, where's Easley located, and what your what are your memories from recording there? Um, do you want to answer that one, Jay? Yeah, I'll answer. Easley is old studio from Memphis, Tennessee. Back in the '70s, it was like a four track place like out in the woods and uh, they bought an old studio uh, called the onyx in memphis and it was two guys um or they doug easley and uh davis mccain and they had this studio and it was mostly like indie rock stuff like the grifters pavement uh sonic youth recorded there um, jason i was just going to tell you it's washing machine was done there yes yeah. Um, Wowie Zowie. I'm looking now because I was like, that name sounds familiar. Guided by yeah. Voices, Promise Ring, Nothing Feels Good. Yeah, yep. yep. Promise Ring recorded the year after we did. Um, who else did? Uh, Just Brazil recorded after we did there, too. So they, Modest Mouse recorded there, I think, after us. But they, so, yeah, yeah, but it, it was, it got on people's radar somehow um, that they were doing smaller bands and it wasn't, you know, the, it was somewhat affordable, you know, back then it was, you know, it was such a different time for, you know, studio time costs money. <laughs> yeah. Know, actually not- listening to the, uh, what had happened was podcast. One of the things that struck me is the dude goes, Hey, let's talk money. What did this thing cost to record? And, <laughs> and know me knowing what it costs to record an album in 1997 and in 2023 and how wildly different that is. What did the U.S. songs cost you guys to record? 
Wow. Um, it'd have to be broken down a little bit, but I, I don't know what. Don't hold me to this number, but I feel like there was it was somewhere in the eight to ten thousand to record. But some of that stuff is added because of the Rondor was part of the publishing company. So uh, it was padded, but it wasn't charged to us. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, um, it was one of those kind of deals. Uh, I don't know. Do you know, Jay? Off the top, you, your memory is obviously way better than mine. No, I don't remember what it cost. I know we recorded five songs today, though. Yeah. It was Dionysus, I mean, Burning Watermark, Second Story, Skyscraper, Alchemy is a Rhythm, Tencent Inquiry. Those are the ones we recorded. Yeah. I did and find, we, I found a bunch of of documents and stuff like that for the actual layout, but I, I don't ha- I don't know that I have a bunch of the stuff for the uh, the actual recording, which is crazy. The, well, it's, that I, was November of 96. It was the weekend of Thanksgiving, and we ate in the lobby of a Piggly Wiggly because everything else was closed. And we had like can <laughs> openers, and that was right. yeah, that was. Well, don't leave out the fact that we also ate there because we didn't eat at the Peabody Hotel. Because they were punk Ron. rock. Yeah. Well, we were so goofy at the time that we didn't realize. Here's a guy who came from California to help you know to sit in on the recording with us, and he's the whole reason we you know got in this studio, and he's like. Hey, come thanks have Thanksgiving dinner with me. And instead of being like, oh, awesome. Yeah, great. Thank you. We were like, oh, we don't want to put you out. Like, no, we'll just we'll we'll figure it out. You know, and I'm thinking, oh, here's this guy. I mean, now that you know, I'm probably older than he was at the time, mm-hmm. you know, left his family. You know, he's in there, and then this asshole <laughs> band doesn't even have dinner with him, <laughs> you know, because we thought we were like, oh, we don't want to put you out. And Oh, we don't want to take your money. You know, it's like, and then you, you know, you get older and you're like, oh, he, he really just wanted, you know, to feed us. Yeah. (laughs) Supposedly near that studio is like, cause I remember reading uh, about Sonic Youth doing washing machine. There's apparently like famous, like Memphis barbecue spot right by there. Cause they, they talk about in the book how they spent so much time at these like barbecue joints Right. And, um, and of course, us funny. as vegan. At we're the time, vegan. We, we had that's, what I'm yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> we're like, oh, but, you uh, know, it's like, and some of us, you know, still are, but yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm not. So we touched base on it before when I jumped the gun, but okay. we'll talk about the layout for this record. It's just, right. and, and specifically the CD packaging, because that's what I have okay. is I have the CD. And do you that have it with you? Just, can you can you show I it? I do, yeah. So it opens up. I have oh, it apart, but it opens up with the die cut front. First of all, it's all silver, which is awesome. Yeah, it makes it stand out to begin with. Then you open up the die cut, and then inside of that, you've got photos on either side, and the U.S. songs in the middle, and then you have this burgundy. This is what you see when you look at the cover of the CD is just this strip of burgundy. And then you open that up and that's where the lyrics are. But this is what uh, really blows my mind is that it's got this 
the books. handheld U.S. songs lyric book that looks like it was. It is. It's silk screen silver on black, and that then you, yeah. and then wow. you open that up, and it's got Chris's photos. Right, and, and so that might even be a a maybe a second. Yeah, the, the, press the first one had the two books. Yeah, like oh, am I there. missing a book? I'm even no. You a have book. a different okay. version, Jay. Okay, Jason. Yeah, the first one is all. It was like a digipack. Does yours come in a jewel case, Jason? It did, yeah. Yeah, the first version came uh, in a digipack, and it opens up. Yeah, there, Jay's got it. It's got two two books in oh, there, wow. which is cra- even crazier because yes. then they, they're like the all, those little booklets are put into slits inside of the fucking <laughs> digipack. <laughs> so the uh, I told you. So the reason that I still have all this stuff is because uh, the gentleman I worked with. Jason Noble, he sadly has, uh, he passed, but um, I was given this uh, when he did. And it's basically a folder of everything that we worked on uh, to do that packaging and to do the CD packaging, Um, even to the point of mock-ups that he did uh, to kind of show you know, I had this idea and I was like, but, I, you know, to get it produced was a nightmare. And we, it, you know, Rev's, uh, let's say it was a, a, a give and take of somewhat of a pulling of teeth because they had never done packaging that was this involved. Um, and I don't think really saw that at first the... Um, importance you know obviously to all the rev stuff has always looked great and been great but it you know uh, some of the things that we would go back and forth with was like well why do we have to have this or why you know why does it have to have the barcode or you know the uh barcode on the sticker instead of you know actually on the record and things that like that but this one from jason it uh he would always leave these little things on it and it says Instead of uh, the album title, it says your mama's radio station. Right there. <laughs> uh, he also has one that said a mock up that said uh, Elliot fear of a black planet. Nice. Um, <laughs> so so all this stuff is like little Easter eggs that I'm I'm finding now that I have all this stuff. Um, but uh, but yeah. So I mean, I think. Trying to make sure, yeah. So this would like this all that record almost put a company out of business. Um, that ended up agreeing to do the digipack and and all that stuff. And I mean, the guy was like, "Yeah, they're all those all were handmade." Um, like, like he, he he would do them and he would make them, and then he would, I think, him and his wife, and I think it almost ruined their marriage. It was, <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah, it was produced at, at, at Thing Makers in Washington, which did a lot of stuff like Tortoise, uh, some Death Cab for Cutie stuff. Um, yeah. it, it, a lot that of makes sense. Yeah, a lot of that stuff. I actually reached out to um, one of our our listeners and and friends, Andrew Rizek, worked at Rev at the time, and I asked him about it, and he was like, "Yeah, it was done at Thing Makers." 
Yep, and I've got um, receipts and everything from them. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's great. And then uh, One Ton Press uh, did the booklets. Um, those are so all these guys were, you know, Jason that did the layout. He was uh, was in a band called uh, Rodan, and then Shipping News and oh, Rachel's. okay, yeah. yeah. So uh, he helped me kind of get it my idea to a point where it, it could actually be made. And uh, and then One Ton Press is Jeff Mueller, who they were in Rodan together, and then Jeff's been in June of Forty Four and Shipping News and on and on. They did the pressing of the actual little booklets um you know as as it went on it you know the cost became an it, it was an issue so that's why we have the different uh versions of that cd um and we never got the the like the silver on the or the the silver on the package like we were first trying to do the um remember the john spencer blues explosion Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, record that's that mirrored silver. Yes, yeah, that, yeah. That's what we were going for first, but we couldn't. You know, we had to we had to choose our battles on on certain aesthetic. Do you remember what the what the final cost was for the CD? You know, you have CDs that cost, and you and you're saying, <laughs> you know, this this CD is three dollars a cost, but we can sell it for ten on tour. What was the cost yeah. for this CD uh, after all that? Well, it was a lot, and I can tell you that it all came out of our side. Because yeah. <laughs> that was part of it. You know, he was like, "Well, if you want to do this, it comes out of your old side of it." And we're like, "We don't care. We've never, we've never mm-hmm. seen a penny from any record." So, yeah, you know, and that, that was, a, you know, I'm talking before uh, Rev. Um, this was our first thing with Rev. So we we're like, "Why a band makes money off records? We don't. That's not something we know of." So, sure. <laughs> 2023, and it still looks. Amazing. I was just gonna. I I don't know if I've ever seen like a a CD that's not part of like some kind of elaborate box set that is that unique. That there's two yeah, booklets. That's yeah. That's yeah. And, and you take the booklets, you put them together, and it and it they they match up to a degree. Yeah. Um, you know the the photos and some of the you know I don't I don't what think what was that, the original LP was packaging like was it sort of it had a die cut down the middle mm-hmm. we we originally wanted it to be the same like a, a you know a, a middle kind of uh, what do you call those gatefold kind gatefold. of thing um, but it, it logistically we just I don't know we just couldn't figure out how the costs were prohibitive um, so we just did that die cut down the middle to give the same. I wonder if the situation. New, the and then I don't. I don't think like they that. do. No, I think the new ones are just silver. I'll yeah. know soon. It's on its way yeah. to me. Yeah. The uh, yeah, like the one behind you. Yeah, the, it's just. I think it's just yeah. the silver. Yeah, yeah. So around the time of U.S. songs, this is '98. I mean, I saw you guys play with Brothers Keeper and Disembodied. You know, <laughs> at a like actual hardcore show. Yeah. So. And and I saw you at another club where it was like, you know, a 75 capacity. You guys were working hard, touring the country. Was there at that point an aspiration to break into a bigger scene? Or were you like, hey, we're just happy with playing around, playing these shows, doing what we love? Yeah, I mean, 
for me, it it was there was always the ambition of of just getting the music um to as many people that wanted to hear it, you know, and that and we, you know, the you know, you've I keep noticing your sweatshirt and making me, you know, <laughs> of, of, of integrity. It's like, you know, in Louisville, and I think it was the same in Detroit. You know, we went, you know, like you went to every integrity show as well as every laughing hyena show as well as, you know what I mean? It it didn't matter. It it was all kind of the same as we were growing up and we kind of wanted to continue that. If someone was like, yeah, they can open up for us. Well, we were there, you know, like we were into it. If it, you know, if it was less than Jake and all, or if it was, um, you know, hot water music or if, you know, whoever it was, we wanted to, to do it. And it, it seemed smart to us, which maybe was a detriment in some, in some ways, but to, you know, if like, if we bring a little bit of our crowd, another band's going to bring a little bit of their crowd and hopefully, you know, we're all going to get along and and dig it, you know? Um, What what do you think, Jay? I mean, I had no aspiration for getting a bigger audience at all. I, I, in fact, was against it. I wanted to keep it as close to what we grew up with as possible. Like I wanted the basement shows. I wanted not to be on the stage. I wanted to be as close to the audience as possible. I didn't want radio airplay. Um, I just, I grew up reading Max and Rocky Roll. So I had that aesthetic in my head of what worked and what didn't with the punk scene. We grew up in the punk scene and that was, that was how we were as people is we had those, I don't know what you'd call it, like the ethic, the ethos. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I did not want to get bigger at all. I just want to stay with whoever would show up to the same shows that we would show up to. And I think that was the given, the give and take in the, the, you know, the yin and yang of, of Elliot, because if I, in retrospect, if I would have been a little bit at times given a little bit more or step back a little bit more and let my ambition kind of uh, ego kind of dissipate, you know, we probably would have, it probably would have gone to the levels that I was looking, you know, regardless, you know, if that makes sense. Um, you know, there were, I know that we had, Jay and I had different opinions about Hot Topic and mm-hmm. things like that. And that was just the start where Rev was like, hey, we want to get this in Hot Topic. And I remember Jay not being cool with that. Um, and, you know, it was, a, you know, it was like, and to me being, I didn't really have a, when I was younger in the Louisville scene, I didn't have, I needed those kind of, big box record stores because I couldn't ride my bike to your ecstasy or to the cool places in Louisville, you know? So I got my first Metallica and Misfits and uh, any skate rock kind of stuff. I got that from NRM records, you know, I got my first shelter cassette at, you know, even though that I was already in the scene and, and going to shows, you know, I got that, it's somewhere because for some reason I just couldn't get out to where into the like highlands in Louisville, which is like the cool place uh, to get the stuff that I needed to get. So I, I felt like it was good to allow these kids that don't, 
you know, aren't fully there to still have the access to it. But Jay was right. <laughs> Ultimately. <laughs> well, a lot of the, your peers that did end up, you know, let's say at in that time, the biggest thing to do would be signed to a major label. Right. And a lot of them that did, did not have success. Right. And it ended up, I mean, we've talked about some of them, um, you know, into another had a major label record that was, you know, we, we all love it, but didn't sure. do well and seaweed and, uh, you Which know, an amazing uh, record. <laughs> yeah. Shift, you know, yep. all these bands had, had it and ended up, it ended up not working out. So sort of to what Jay was saying, it's almost like, and I feel like I'm kind of the same way where you like, you study enough history. Like that's yep. why we learn history even in school, right. Is to know <laughs> kind of how to, the shit didn't work for these guys. Yeah, like why how to navigate and, the future. and that was said, you know, multiple meetings uh, that we would, you know, whether it was with Ron or with people that he knew, you know, it was like, we didn't, everything you just said, you know, you, you, you didn't do it with quicksand. Why the hell do you think you could do it with us? You know, like, you know, you didn't do a job box or, you know, all the, and, and I mean, no, you know, quick, you know, quicksand obviously got to a, uh, all these bands got to a much higher level than we could ever achieve. It was just, but it, to what these labels thought they were buying into or what they thought they could do, or, you know, it, I mean, it, I, I disagree. Cause I heard this record and was like, why wasn't this the biggest freaking thing in <laughs> in 1998 like at the time so i think it it could have but there's a lot of things that could have that don't sure. that don't do it and then it's like i don't know i feel like the legacy when you step back you pro- you you definitely made the right decision to just you know stick with what you were doing and let stuff happen organically yeah and and that was, you know, and and honestly, it, you know, how it all kind of progressed. Um, you know, I would have, I would have. Everything happens for a reason, but I definitely would have pulled the reins back on myself at certain points to deal with my kind of ambition problem, <laughs> if that makes sense. Further on down the, we're, we're getting, but I, I say this, US I say songs. this in, in almost every episode, I feel like, but you were young, you know what I mean? Sure. Like it's yeah, totally yeah. like when well, you're in your twenties or whatever, the way you think is not the same way as you do in your forties or whatever. Absolutely. And the, you know, and I listened to your all's podcast and listening to some of the stuff, um, just the California stuff and the New York stuff. It's all like, it's such a small scene back then, you know? Um, and how everything was um, somewhat incestuous of all the New York bands in the same way in California, same way in Louisville, you know, and it's, it's, you know, sharing guitars and doing all that. That was a, a hard thing for me. And, you know, and, and being that young and being, you know, not as mature as I should have been, it was always a give and take and it was always kind of a battle with me. So it was, you know, but uh Hopefully I've gotten a little wiser. Maybe. <laughs> Jason, we... I know you had a question. Too. I do. So, so Elliot just played shows. You did the false cathedral shows. 
did you not play? There were no songs played off of this LP at that at those shows, right? Songs. Oh, two songs were played. God, do your homework, Jason. Ah, my homework is wrong. <laughs> no, uh, to, 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 to defend Jason, yeah. we we yeah. had been told by someone that like. I don't want to name names. Hovner right. is what I'm talking about. Jeremy? <laughs> no, close. Okay. Tommy, Tommy, Tommy Brown. Brown. Uh, <laughs> we love you, Tom. I feel like he said, and maybe we're interpreting wrong, like, oh, sure. they're not doing any pre-False Cathedrals stuff. Right. Yeah. Well, the, yeah. the, the reason – Tommy – I've, I've fed Tommy false information <laughs> on that one because I know how much he likes to talk. <laughs> Did we, well, we, we love Tommy. We yeah. love Tommy. Great dude. Yeah. What two songs were there? Miracle, Dionysus Burning. Yeah. So with for Furnace Fest, it was requested that they wanted the full the full False Cathedrals record. That was that was kind of the deal. And that was the first show that we had um that we agreed to. Um and then the and then I don't we didn't even get the finish our full set at that show uh because things were running a little long but the um but then yeah for the smaller and local shows ones we didn't have that were just ours that didn't have a time uh restraint on them uh we would play uh yeah those two songs from from u.s songs okay cool will there be more shows are we able to ask that uh, even uh though we have a couple more records with you guys and i just noticed too i forgot we have 32 frames with jay like you guys yeah. are gonna be stuck with us for a little bit <laughs> i love it some background that sunday evening dinner club band that did the grill biscuits distance is the same band as 32 frames oh okay. oh nice nice cool cool but yeah as far as shows i mean if if it's kind of the, like this happened it was a perfect storm that you know, it was it was partially because uh, Furnace Fest was asking. They had been asking for years and and kept asking. They were very persistent. And then being post COVID for me personally, it was you know it was re- it was like man, I've just got to do these things. You know, it, you know when they you know you've got to live and you got to like take every moment you know, as you can, I think all of us kind of had a little bit of that feeling. Um, but that was, and then, and just seeing Jay and Kevin being a part of, uh, that again was just like, you know, seemed to be perfect. Um, so yeah, it was, it was just as always, it was an odd Elliot workings, you know, it, it was, it wasn't, uh, a big game plan or, and it wasn't, uh, you know, it was a little different, especially, you know, but, it, but I loved it. It was perfect. I mean, it's got to feel good. Well, first off already you're sitting here, you're talking about a record with us idiots. That's oh. 25 years old, you know, that like people still care about. But I remember when the shows were announced, I mean, the outpouring of people that were just, so amped to hear that Elliot was playing. I mean, that's got to feel good, no matter no matter how you slice it. It it does, and I'll let Jay answer on on his behalf too, because it. Uh, 
but yeah, it was, it was amazing. And the, we get the opportunity to do these things. Um, you know, personally, I get to share with my sons that, you know, yeah, this isn't just something I talked about or, you know, uh, right. you know, this is real, this happened. Um, and they got to, uh, you and our, my older son, he got to come out to California and sell merch at the shows and, and hang out. Um, so that was how, how old are your sons? Uh, so you and is 13 and, and Wilder is 10. So, nice. right. Yeah. Nine, yeah. So definitely so, old enough to see that it's pretty cool, you know, like, yeah. Oh, no, like, oh this is pretty cool. Yeah. You and definitely, you know, he, he loves the organization and the merch stuff and just to see, you know, people coming out. Um, and Wilder got to come to the New York show as well. So he, you know, just running around New York for the first time was, was a blast, you know? And then, yeah, Jay, what are your thoughts before we get to hot tracks? Uh, I've, I didn't because it was always be we were about to play and I hadn't practiced anything and about to go on stage. So I've had that recurring nightmare for a long time. So I'm glad to knock that out of my psyche. But um, yeah, the the alchemic rhythm that we have as individuals together, well, it's something that I'm just you know very gracious to whatever forces came through to make that happen. That that's a it's very much still part of. Uh, of my heart being full now instead of being old and bitter that we got to reunite. I'm getting all emotional about this. <laughs> People care, you know, that's, mm -hmm. I mean, that's, it's awesome. I think that's one of the, the coolest things is people, you know, this music, they always say it lives on, but it, it yeah. really does. I mean, um, mm -hmm. talking about something from a quarter of a century ago, yeah. Tav, you think it's time to kick some, yeah, let's kick. So, uh, Chris, you said you've listened to our podcast before. You know the deal. Jay, um, we kick hot tracks where everybody on the call discusses their favorite song from this record, either their favorite song to play, the most meaningful song, or their favorite song to listen to. In my case, I'm going to go first. This is, I had a hard time with this one because Miracle is one of the best ways to start an album that I know. Just like hits you. There's no four count. There's no guitar intro. There's no bass intro. It's just boom. Here we go. And the song is so dynamic, right? There's the little section in the middle where it's just guitar and vocals and then it kind of goes into an off time part after that it's it's so interesting as an aside i'm so confused why the song intro is second <laughs> and not first it's very uh bold of you i was just gonna say it's like <laughs> it's like bold on the speak out the intro is like halfway through the record all right, listen, that that was done way before. So if you remember the first Bad Brains release, the intro was the last song. <laughs> this is true, the roar tape, right? Right. Um, my hot track, though, is Watermark High. 
again, from getting hit from it on the on the seven inch, and then to hear um, a little more refined and polished version of it on the full length, the the beginning of that song with the very very delicate vocals only and then it builds up with when you say the the word way and then it it hits you and everything kind of sounds like it's playing a different song almost <laughs> cohesively it's fucking incredible and and i think that song is so energetic passionate and emotional it really to me it would be a top five, like '90s emo song for me. It's up there with in the pantheon of like Sunny Day Real Estate and whatever else you got. Watermark High is like a top five emo song for me. So that's oh, it. I, I love hearing when Javier has like when I get really into a song. <laughs> but when he has like when he has opinions where people are going to actually listen and be like. Damn right, Javier. <laughs> spot on. And not me saying like, oh, no controls like the worst Battle Religion record. <laughs> yeah, <guess>. or Dag Nasty's <laughs> terrible or whatever. Like it was this was like a breath of this was like a breath of fresh air. All right. Uh, thank you. Yeah, Greg. Yeah. Well, why don't you kick your hot track, Greg? You. So mine's interesting, right? Because these guys know for whatever reason, you know, pre-internet, I knew of Elliot. I knew the name. I knew you're on Rev. I knew kind of what style. In the 90s, I didn't, for whatever reason, didn't didn't listen. And then when we started this podcast, I remember that I was like, oh, that's one of my blind spots of the Rev catalog. And there was others that I've since come to love. Iceburn, Engine Kid, um, you know, stuff that I was totally blind on. And Elliot was one. And both these guys were like, you're going to love it. They're like, we know what you like. You're going to love oh, it. Wow. And when I finally listened to this record, I was like, after the first song, I was like almost moved to tears. And I was mad at myself for taking so long. And I showed these guys too, like literally after the first song, I sent a note to um, my friend Blair that owns Siren Records here. And I was like, Hey, can you order me all these Elliot records? Because I was like, and he's like, yeah, they're always here and they always, he's like, but they, they go pretty quickly. Um, so just for that, I have to say miracle. Like I heard that song and was like, I could have been listening to this for, you know, 25 oh, years. Um, and, you know, I've since heard the other stuff too. And I'm very excited to talk about the, the next release as well. And, and, um, so yeah, that, oh, I have you. to give that just because, like Javier said, what a way to open a record! The the energy and the urgency, and you know everything that you guys talked about. Where I love, I love hardcore. These guys love hardcore, but I also think it can get it can get pretty derivative and samey. And I especially love bands that take hardcore and like twisted into something fresh where you still know, like it has that right. urgency. It has like, like Jay mentioned the ethos, but yeah, what, a, what a song. Um, thing. Yeah. I think it has a lot to do with where both of us grew up and having all these different influences, you know, having bands, like, you know, uh, our first tour ended up being with uh, Chamberlain. Um, so I grew up with split lip 
because those because Endpoint was also gave Split Lip their first really, you know, big break as far as you know, big break giving you know giving them shows and going out with them, taking them on a tour. So these bands that that were melodic, um, and then mixing it in with where they came from, it was just natural for for us. Um, That song in particular, you know, is just yeah. I I guess driving was is the the best. Very. I've said this about a few other bands, but like to me, that song sounded like if someone was like. I want to put I want to put together a song that's like AI generated like what what Greg likes <laughs> and nice. it would it would spit out that song so miracle Chris what's your hot track Oh wow I, I knew this was coming so I, yep. I I've been Pick listening your to the record kid. and you know and it's <laughs> and it all there are certain songs that I feel like fit well within the set and then there's songs that I just like and then I find myself the songs that I that we didn't get to play a lot live then I'm when I hear them I'm get excited because so um it's not even that it's my favorite the right now I'm, I get I got I get really excited over the conversation but it, just because I don't think we played it a lot um it was a more mid-tempo kind of slower song and uh yeah it it just kind of hits me still you know um that's all i can say but it the uh you know and it, it might be some songs you know tonality of the guitar or things like that that you know maybe i was trying to go for uh again not really knowing how to achieve um you know, came across a little bit in that, in that song. Jason Mazzola, what's your hot track for this record? Man, I love the intro so much, but (laughs) I love Chris's voice so much that I can't, I don't want to pick a hot track that doesn't have Chris singing on it, but I really (laughs) love that intro. That intro is so awesome. I lived that playing that song driving on tour with the Mm. band, living out my fantasy of, Oh, U.S. Man. what U.S. songs represents, <laughs> right? Well, thank you. No, I'm gonna pick that as my hot track. I oh, love nice. the intro, nice. <laughs> dude. Yeah. It's it just makes me feel good. It's just so dynamic, and it lets your mind wander and just. And that was the what, big weirdo part of Elliot for for a while. We we didn't end up taking. Uh, that was an old Ace Tone uh, organ that I had that I ran through, I think an amp of Jay's that I bought from him. Right. Was that PV base? Um, and, uh, through a custom cabinet, one of those big puffy ones with the plastic over, you know, kind of not, what are they, how do you say that? The, uh, just the fake leather basically mm-hmm. over it. Um, but that was kind of where we were, when we were experimenting at the beginning of Elliot, that, was kind of left over and that's kind of, and it was called intro because that's how we started most of the sets when we first started. Isn't that right, Jay? Or am I making that up? Yes. Um, no, you're correct. And, the, you know, and I think a lot of that was because I, you know, 
there are bands like Five Style and, you know, uh, the makeup and bands like that, that I was going to shows, but it, they weren't like bands I listened to all the time. But um, it's like, man, this, you know, the music can go anywhere in this, in this genre. You don't have to just play the guitar, even though I couldn't play the piano or keyboard to save my life. But, you know, there's little beeps and bloops. Um, but thanks. Yeah. yeah. It, it was, it's, it was, it's fun to do just to experiment, you know, with that stuff pre uh computers and, mm-hmm. and no midi midi no, controllers the, the, the makeup yeah. the makeup yeah. loose by the way yeah jason jason had said he used the term to me and i just cracked up because i was like man and it's weird because i loved sunny day real estate and some of those but i was like for some reason i was so in this era it was like so youth crew for me um right being younger and whatnot and jason said the Elliot record cut through his his youth crew facade like a hot knife through butter. <laughs> and, it is true, and I felt, and I felt that <laughs> dissected it a little bit because Jason, you know, I mean, again, from the beginning of the of the podcast, I'm both these guys were always like, oh man, I can't, can't wait to get to, get to Elliot. Elliot. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's awesome, Jay. Your last, yeah. what's your hot track? Uh, last song, Safety Pin Explanation. The way it swells, the way the guitar tone I captured, the ring guitars, the just the whole feel of that song. But mostly it's my memories of playing it live is what makes it so significant. Uh, Kevin's drumming could go anywhere in that song live. It was just, it, it was a force unto its own. Um, but yeah, Kevin Kevin's a powerhouse in that song. And he, he made played live i appreciate that we all chose different <laughs> songs yeah is this like <laughs> it doesn't always first. happen that yeah, way yeah yeah and that, uh, to, uh, to that's me that's also a good record it's a testament of the um variety of of songs on this record there's something for everyone right uh, Chris and Jay, thanks so much for joining us to talk about this. The first of many conversations yeah, we're going to have with I always y'all. get happy when it's like we have a good conversation. I'm like, uh-huh. oh, this doesn't have to be the last time. Because yeah. some of these early releases where they did one seven inch, it's like, oh, this is really fun to talk about. Or even like right. Super Touch. I was like, oh, this is super fun to talk to Mark Ryan. But there's no more Super Touch records yeah. on Rev. So. Oh, yeah. well, I, we appreciate it. And we love, you know being part of the the Rev family and, and, you know, what you guys are doing is, is awesome. Cause I'm learning so much being able to, you know, pick my favorite record and, and listen about it and, and, uh, you know, see how everybody else has dealt with, uh, with these things, you know, I mean, most of us were, you know, we're in our, we were teenagers or, or, you know, early twenties when we were doing all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's it's uh, remarkable that uh, any of it happened at all. Yeah. <laughs> well, looking forward to diving into other releases as well. So, well, cool. Thank you, guys. Yeah, we're, we're thank y'all. Excited thank you. and yeah. It's- What's up, y'all? It's Javier. Just wanted to give a bit of bow to our top tier patrons. Billy Tunnell, Brandon Gavell, Brian Buskey, Brian Skiffington, Brooklyn, 
Cesar Falcon, Chad Keplinger, David Palmer, Dirk Focused, John Cowell, Quiet Keith, Nate of Head to Wall fame, Ryan Walker, Ryan White, Tad Payton, Tim Shear, Tyler of the Life and Death Brigade, and Siren Records. Remember, if you want to unlock a bunch of bonus content and just help us out every month, you can go to whereitwentpodcast.com, find out information and all that, and otherwise, we'll see you next episode. Thanks for tuning in. Bidipo.